Hello, and welcome to this week's Renwick Centre podcast. My name is Trudy Smith, and I am the Manager of Continuing Professional Education. We are continuing our theme on telepractice. Everyone is doing it right now as we support clients, and we have a really specialist session today. I've been really looking forward to this as well. We're joined by an old friend, Liz Fisher, as well as Melissa Orette. So, Liz, can you please tell us, for those of you who don't remember from last time, a little bit about yourself? So I'm a teacher of the deaf, hard of hearing. I've been working in this space for 10 years and I've been with RADBC for the last four years, providing Auslan support for families and children, auditory verbal therapy or total communication. I'm based up in Darwin, so up here we've been, we have been providing face-to-face -face service and, and also remote services to via video conferencing to kids across the Northern Territory and also across Australia. Fantastic. And Melissa, please introduce yourself for us all. Hi, I'm Mel. Uh, I began working at RADBC in 2010 as a classroom teacher in Thomas Patterson School for a year. After working for two years as an itinerant support after that with the Department of Education, I returned to RADBC in 2013 as a teacher of the deaf in the early learning program at Hunter. I'm still working in ELP at Hunter and in 2015 I also began working with Teleschool and servicing families remotely. Uh, my role at RRDBC has predominantly focused on working with children using Auslan or keyword sign, but I also work with children using spoken language and audition. Brilliant. And Auslan using clients is, is who we're gonna talk about today. It's one of those areas that I just don't think people feel really comfortable about offering remote services to this clientele as well. So I guess when we're considering supporting clients who use Auslan, Liz, what are some of the considerations that we should, we should be thinking about in setting up a session? Well, since Auslan is a visual language, it is essential to support the family with the ideal setup from the beginning. So firstly, choosing a platform, whether that be Zoom, Skype, FaceTime or Polycom, which are all potential platforms, and just experimenting with the connection on the platform with the family, as you want to ensure that you have the clearest connection possible so that there is that clarity when you're communicating. And trying to use Auslan or keyword sign over a lagging screen just won't work. And then of course, as a practitioner, just ensuring that you have an understanding of the technology that the family have chosen to use, of course. And the next step is to have that discussion with the family about the best location in their house for learning and to make them aware of the potential for glare if there are windows in the background or lighting in the house as it will make it more challenging to see the child or the parent signing on the screen. And that's the same for the practitioner that their background is plain ideally and also their clothing should be plain without patterns and of course the darker the clothing the better as once again the language being a visual language, we want the best visual setting as possible. And also considering where the family sits, so the lighting, whether that's the natural lighting or from the lights in the house, is more or less in front of them to shed light on their faces. So it's not above or behind them, as that'll just make their faces more challenging to see. So I know our listeners can't see, but I've got a light in front of me so that you can see, see my face a lot better. So just taking all those into consideration. Positioning is the next consideration to think about. And just to support the parent to become aware from the beginning, as many parents, when you have sessions, will be tempted to just put the camera on their child. And we want them to understand that we need to see both the parent and the child. 
And we want to see that communication and the interactions that are happening, which allow us as practitioners to further support and extend their skills. It's not going to be possible if you're missing half of the interaction that's going on between them. And also the, the distance, supporting the family with the distance from the camera so they're not too close or too far away. So the sure. practitioner can clearly see the signing interactions between them. And a good guide is ensuring that your hands, face and upper body are all in screen for, for all of you. And lastly, the parents just positioning themselves so the child can see their signing. So a good way to achieve this is to have the screen of the practitioner, the child and the parents sort of in a circular setup so it's easy to follow that. That makes sense. Yeah. Naturally. Yeah. And that might just be for certain times throughout the session, depending on what activities you're doing, of course. Yeah. And there, of course, may be that need to support the parent with the fear of being on screen. So just gently encouraging the parent to feel more comfortable. And this is very typical. It just takes time for parents to feel okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's such an unnatural way to, to communicate, isn't it? We're all getting better at it over this time. But I think sometimes that's the parents yeah. are so concerned about how they look and, and sound that it can be quite disconcerting for them. And you were talking about that wanting to set up a natural three-way conversation with the child, the parent and you. And in a perfect scenario, the parents share or have have further skills in Auslan than the child. But there are going to be some scenarios where the parent's level of signs actually below the child's. Mel, what would you do in that scenario? Yeah, see, we often see a shift in the level of signing between the parent and the child once the child enters school. The child would be receiving some Auslan support during classes and this is where their signing might begin to surpass the parent's skills, especially if the parent isn't continuing to upskill themselves through courses or programs such as in-home mentoring through NDIS if they have access to this. Yep. It's really important to establish when beginning your remote sessions that their involvement and interaction with their child is key. So as practitioners, we need to be aware of the parent's confidence levels, their current signing skills, and also begin to hone in on the parent's areas of need within their routines while establishing that positive relationship. Uh, understanding these things is going to really be important when you're planning your sessions to choose the activities that will allow the parent to have the confidence to communicate with their children without needing to turn to the screen for support too often, because in effect, and more than likely, they'll lose the child's interest. Yeah. Are there some strategies that you've, that you've used that you know increase parent participation in those sessions when you're in this scenario? Yeah, one, one strategy that's been really effective to boost the parent confidence and participation is to do some pre-teaching. Zoom is a really amazing tool for this, where the practitioner can open a new meeting on their own, record things such as signs, phrases, questions, and highlight strategies and any considerations that relate to the planned activity for the coming session. The parent can watch this at home and practice in advance. This empowers the parent to take the lead during the session and they feel they have one foot in front of the child. Taking this approach would require having a discussion with the parent about managing their session time to do this. For example, asking would they like a 45 minute remote session where the additional 15 minutes are spent in the background by the practitioner doing the pre-teaching filming to send out in advance. And the best thing about this is they can watch it again and again and share it with other members of the family to try it at home too. That's a great idea. And it is using that technology to that next level, isn't it? To really upskill the families as well. It isn't just the parents that we lose though. Sometimes we lose the kids in terms of their engagement. And so Liz, what do you do when you've lost a little person's 
attention. Yeah, it definitely happens. <laughs> uh, I think coming back to that setup initially as well, that definitely impacts on the child and the parents' engagement as well. So whether it's video setup and their positioning as well. And supporting the parents to be well equipped with what, with what the goals are for the session and how the parent can support their child's Auslan development will also impact their engagement. So like Mel spoke about the great idea of sending through some signs some pre-teaching before uh, will better engage the parent. They feel more confident, they know what's coming next and they can be the one to also try and keep that, their child's engagement. But of course, there's definitely time when the child disengages whether that's with the practitioner or the parent. And there's definitely been times when a child has closed their eyes or put their head down um, to you know, communicate. Um, I don't want to continue communicating with you. And once you've lost that eye contact, um, of course it's hard, the communication's gone. So you can attempt to coach the parents to use physical touch to regain that eye contact. However, it's important to make that judgment with the parents if the child has reached their limits and if they need a break. So some of these strategies work for, for all kids on video conferencing. Uh, and it can be worthwhile to, depending on the age of the child, encourage them to explain how they're feeling. You know, I feel like I've had enough, I don't understand, etc. Just to support their communication next time if it, if it arises. That's really building their independence and self-advocacy as well, isn't it? So that's still really important to be able to teach them those skills. It's obviously not ideal to say that in the first five minutes of every session, but it's important for them to be, I need a brain break or I just need some time to catch up or think about what you've just said. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, there's definitely that visual fatigue that, that can happen, especially yep. if kids have been at school all day. Um, so it's okay to take breaks and just having that freedom as a practitioner and also for the parents to know, okay, we can move on from this activity. It's okay. And making their judgments um, about their child to make sure that the resources and activities you suggest are appropriate to their level of skill. Um, and if the practitioner is sharing a re resource, just making sure it's visually engaging for the child. You could also use visual ways to regain their attention back, such as opening and closing a book quickly, or maybe you're going off and jumping back on screen, or even some of the new technologies such as Snap Camera can work really well to get their attention back. However, just coming back to our role as practitioners, which is we're there to best support the parents to support their child. Um, so it's okay to not have their full attention on us. Yeah, fantastic. Mel, I, I know personally, as, as someone at RWC, you are the resource queen. So do you have recommendations about how you've adapted resources to use in, in uh, remote services? Yeah, I have a few suggestions. And I think resources are an area we can feel really stuck with at times when working remotely. Um, keeping it practical, functional and relatable for the child and the family is definitely key. I like to plan a session just with the parent to talk together and really identify our focus and get to understand what they have at home and how they're currently able to interact in Auslan with their child using their toys, their books or within their routines. This will help set you up and understand what resources to use and how you might be able to do things from your end as well. So as mentioned earlier, that pre-teaching using Zoom uh, for pre-recording is a great resource for modelling the activity related language videoing how to uh, videoing how the parent might share a book 
or to support the family with keyword sign vocabulary or language in Auslan related to areas of need in their routines. Sure. So, that, I mean, I guess that includes pre-recorded books, but what about if you've got a book that you want to share at your end? How do you manage that when you're using Auslan? Yeah, so if you're sharing books over the screen from your end, make sure that they're really visually engaging. It's always great to find something where the pictures can tell the story or you can just talk to the pictures in general. You can share a book in a few ways using screen share. So this can be done through Zoom or through Skype or Polycom. Um, through this, you can share any type of ebook. Another way is you can scan books on your own. This can be done in the Notes app on your iPhone and email to yourself as a PDF, which you can share over the screen. Or you can show a physical book over the screen using something like a recipe stand that is next to you to free up your hands to sign. Just test this first to ensure that you can get the right camera positioning and see the book clearly. I really like to use the annotate tools in Zoom, whether it be to cover a picture and a book shared over the screen to encourage making predictions or to draw over a picture, for example, to give the character spiky hair and, and change how the story is going. These are, great, uh, these are a great way to make stories more interactive and engage the child and develop their imagination. Yeah, good suggestions. If a family's got a really great activity at their end that they're playing, how do you get involved in that? Yeah, it can be really tricky to do this in Auslan, especially working from a home setup at the moment, where we can't always position our laptop camera from far enough away to capture the table in front and clearly see the practitioner signing. If you're wanting to join in or model an activity like Play-Doh or Lego or doing cooking with the family, for example, from your end, you can dial in as a third person using Zoom on another device, such as a phone or an iPad. You can use a re recipe stand again, like I mentioned before, facing your device backwards to angle the camera down to the table. This then allows the parent and the child to see what you are modeling through one camera, but they also have, the large, have a large enough picture on the original camera to see your face and hands clearly. Just make sure the family have the gallery view selected to see both pictures equally in size from their end and mute your second device to stop sound interference. I know that I've personally um, actually had a phone and used that as a document camera um, and brought that in as another participant in a session. I love that idea. Yeah, it works really well. And, you know, I've gaffer taped it to a lamp. I need to free my hand. But, um, yeah, I know that that works too as a way to just, yeah. Um, I think you can get really creative with using a second camera. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. So there's been so much information there. So I guess... I'm going to throw this to both of you. Um, final tips when people are considering selecting resources using web-based conferencing. Mel, do you want to go in first? Yeah, so I've got a few tips to go um, to go with. I think my, my three go-away tips are to get to know the, the tools of Zoom. So you can take screen sharing to the next level using the whiteboard, the annotate tool, and the remote sharing tool where the child can control the screen from their end. It can really make your favorite digital resources that you already have and use in face-to-face -face sessions more interactive. And it's especially useful in sessions with the older children using Auslan. Um, my second tip, try and declutter your screen when you're sharing as much as possible. If you can enter the full screen mode um, in when using a PDF um, or other files, if you can, such as PowerPoints. And my final tip, if you are sourcing a video to share, Play it without the sound first. If you can't understand what's going on visually, the child probably won't either. And for older children, also just check that the captioning's accurate. 
um, and if they are read, if they are able to read the text. Sure. Yeah, Liz. Yeah, just to sum it up, Auslan know, is a visual language, so think about your resources set up everything from a visual perspective and use the, the technology that's out there um, to really make sure that yeah, you, you're seeing well visually, you can call in as a third person and use those to your advantage. Brilliant. This has been such an informative session, ladies. I really appreciate your time. Thanks so much. Thank you.